Listener Production. So big accounting companies are not normally known for creating shocking headlines, but in the last month, PricewaterhouseCoopers has done exactly that. This is one of the most stunning business stories of the year. PwC is under fire for leaking confidential tax secrets from the government to companies like Apple and Google. Absolutely furious, absolutely ropeable about these revelations. So that is the treasurer there, absolutely furious, absolutely ropeable. Now, the Federal Treasury Department, and this news has just come overnight, they've referred this scandal to the Australian Federal Police, who will investigate and consider pressing criminal charges. So this is big news. In this episode of The Briefing, what happened at PwC? How one of Australia's most trusted accounting firms gave confidential information from the Australian government to big multinational corporations to help them avoid paying tax. Yeah, this one might make your blood boil. First, here are today's headlines with Jan Fran. It's Thursday, the 25th of May. G'day, Tom. We're starting off with a bit of a sad story uh, today. A tragic ending for a great-grandmother who was tasered by police at a New South Wales nursing home last week. So 95-year-old Claire Noland uh, has died and the police officer who tasered her is now facing three charges, including recklessly causing grievous bodily harm. Yeah, this is a, a tragic story that has angered so many people. It's been building all week in New South Wales. People just absolutely shocked that a police officer would use a taser on a 95-year-old woman. She was holding a steak knife, but she used a walking frame. So just absolutely terrible. And... <laughs> Also tragic, Jen, the timing of the events. So yesterday we got the news that this police officer had been charged right as we found out now the woman had died. So those charges could actually be upgraded now that she's passed away. Yeah, well, the police response to this has sort of shifted slightly over time. When it happened last week, um, the police commissioner, I remember she came out and thanked, publicly thanked the detectives who she said worked around the clock over what she called this nasty incident um, at the nursing home. Over that time, because I think of the outrage it's caused and the real harm it's done, as we've seen now to Claire Noland, the response has shifted slightly because what actually happened was that a taser was deployed on her. As you say, she was armed with a steak knife, but she actually fell to the ground and hit her head. And because, as you say, the incident caused so much outrage, uh, the police are really have, having to work out how to shift their response now as well. Well, she was simply the best in the world of rock and roll, but Tina Turner has passed away. She was aged 83. She'd had a long illness and died in Switzerland, where she'd been living for many years. In recent years, she'd had a stroke and kidney failure um, and just an incredible career. Really sad to see her go. Initially, she rose to fame as part of the duo Ike and Tina Turner in the 70s. Uh, Turned out that was an abusive relationship. She left it and then launched a solo career, which was just epic, really took off in the 80s. Um, Simply the best, as you heard there, Jen. That was the soundtrack to many of our childhoods sitting around the TV watching the NRL, but um, other massive hits like Private Dancer and probably my favourite, What's Love Got To Do With It? Mate, you've missed the most important Tina Turner track of all time, Nutbush City Limits. (laughs) The very, somehow has become this sort of Australian cultural icon that everyone 
mandatorily has to do at weddings and parties. That was that was a Tina classic, mate. You know another one that sort of doesn't probably get mentioned enough? Goldeneye, the James Bond theme. That was pretty huge. Vale Tina Turner. Yeah, what a life, what a career. Well, back home and classes have been cancelled today um, and two rifles seized by police. This is after a shooting at a WA school. The school had lockdown protocols and calmness and teachers taking charge, taking control, protecting the students is probably the most important lesson for today. So that was the WA Police Commissioner there, Cole Blanche, uh, a 15-year-old former student allegedly fired three shots from a car park. This was at the Atlantis Beach Baptist College yesterday. Now, as far as we know, the teenager has been apprehended by police, but the police say that this has been an absolutely shocking incident, Tom, that they've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's a sort of story you expect to hear from America, but it's happened at a Christian school in Perth. Um, Really frightening. Thankfully, no one was hurt. Yeah, or there was no risk to the public or, or, or the staff and everybody's been accounted for. That's what the mm. police say. But they also know that the firearm was registered to the boy's father. So that's where he got it from. But the fact that he managed to have it in his possession, take it to a school and fire shots has got the police, understandably, very alarmed. Mm. And Donald Trump's main Republican rival, Ron DeSantis, has now officially... Uh, become a contender for the US presidential race next year. So in breaking news, he's formally filed the paperwork and he's expected to publicly launch the campaign on Twitter today in a conversation with Elon Musk. And we actually did an episode on Ron DeSantos. He picked a very interesting fight with Disney and that's in our episode from May 1. But this is a really interesting development, Jan. Yeah, I mean, we always suspected that it was coming. Mm. We just didn't know when or how it would happen, and now we do. He's the Republicans' second choice after Trump. And when I say second choice, there is still a wide kind mm. of gap between the two. So this was polling released uh, from CNN just ahead of this announcement that showed that 53% of Republican and or Republican-leaning voters back Trump. DeSantis comes in at 26%. So there's a very significant gap there. He does have uh, the rest of this year and the rest of next year to build on that. Yeah, it must be hard to get oxygen when you're going up against Donald Trump, who is just, you know, an enormous outrage machine, which, you know, in recent months, given his legal troubles, has gone to a whole new level of crazy. So, yeah, that Republican nomination race is going to be fascinating. Yeah, you talk about Trump being an outrage machine. I reckon DeSantis could give him a good run for his money on that front. (laughs) All right, Jam, we'll catch you tomorrow. I'm about to go deep on this developing PwC scandal. So when I was a a young, naive commerce student at university, one of the supposedly best graduate jobs you could get was at one of the big four banks or one of the big four accounting firms. Now, one of those firms is PricewaterhouseCoopers, known as PwC. In the past few weeks, its reputation has been absolutely shredded by a big tax scandal. And the reason I think this is worth caring about and the reason we're doing it here on The Briefing is that it's your hard-earned money, your taxes, that are being spent by the billion on getting advice from these firms. So the federal government and the state governments get billions of dollars of advice from these big firms. So not only do we pay for that advice through our taxes and therefore boost the profits of these firms, 
in this scandal, the PwC breach of confidentiality also helped big corporations avoid paying more tax here. So what does that mean? It means that we, the workers, have to pay more tax. That's a double whammy for us. The winners are the corporations who will pay less tax and PwC, the consulting firm, who earn all those fees from the government. The losers are us. So let's find out what exactly happened here. Carl Rhodes is all over it. He's a professor of organisational studies at the University of Technology. Carl, thank you so much for joining us. So how much of our money goes to the big four accounting firms, Deloitte, EY, KPMG and PwC? And has that spending been increasing? Well, it's a lot, almost a billion dollars a year um, uh, last year, which is almost three times what it was 10 years ago. So really a lot of money. Yeah, that is a huge amount of money. And to hear that it's gone up so much in the last decade, I mean, really, really brings home why this scandal is so important. So can you explain exactly what happened at PwC? What is the unethical action at the core of this scandal? The core of the scandal is that PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, one of the big four uh, consulting firms, had been hired by the government to design a tax system that would make it more difficult for multinational corporations to avoid paying corporate tax. So PwC were hired to do this. They did what they were asked to do. But what happened was the confidential details of the new scheme were then shared with other people at PricewaterhouseCoopers and effectively sold to corporate clients to help them dodge the new set tax system that PwC had been hired to put in place. Okay, so just to recap there, PwC is asked by Treasury for advice on how to basically close loopholes for multinational corporations trying to move their revenues offshore to avoid paying tax here. And then They use that same information to try and get more of these corporate clients and help them avoid paying the tax that they were hired to help stop from happening. I know. I mean, it's um, uh, it's an absolutely basic case of, you know, not just conflict of interest, but just scant regard for any kind of decency or responsibility in, in how to deal with business or how to deal with anybody for that matter. Okay, so in the reports that I've read, it says that in terms of the money they made out of this information, it only brought in $2.5 million worth of business. That doesn't sound like that much, particularly when you see how outraged the treasurer was about this, the fact that two board members and the CEO have now resigned over this. Mm-hmm. So was that really the full extent of the revenue they made from this information? That's what um, uh, we're aware of, 2.5 million being made. I mean, possibly there was more that could be made in the future. And that's not, I mean, that's a large amount of money to you and me. But but to PwC in Australia, their annual revenues are 2.6 billion. So it's not that that much. It's the principle behind it, really, that, that's, and, and it's a kind of tip of the iceberg uh, scenario um, uh, that's happening here in terms of can if the Australian government is trusting uh, private consulting firms to provide policy advice and advice on, on how to run government, and those firms, this suggests that at a fundamental level, we ask the question, can they be trusted? And in this case, the answer clearly is absolutely not. Yeah, the timeline is really interesting here because it's only in the last month that we've really seen heads roll and um big headlines, a big media interest in this story. So give us a sense of the timeline. When was this 
advice given to the government, when was that information then used to help the corporate clients and when did the scandal then blow up? Yeah, I mean, it came to a head late last year when the Tax Practitioners Board terminated the registration of the person who at the time was PwC's head of international tax. So this has been going on for a number of years, and the, the project to give the advice has, was, was also a number of years ago. But it was late last year that ha- that happened. It was only in January of this year um, that it was revealed that this termination had uh, happened. By March, the Senate had announced an inquiry into the integrity of consulting services working for government because they were so shocked by this and and other information, no doubt, that they would have had. And when it kind of blew up um, just a few weeks ago, earlier this month, when what was found out then was that the partners and the CEO of PricewaterhouseCoopers were aware of what was going on. Not to say that these people were necessarily implicated, but they were aware of it. Clearly, they hadn't done anything. Okay, so you've got the the unethical behaviour itself, but then also the response to that unethical behaviour, and that's what's really infuriated people by the sounds of that. So tell us more about how widespread the knowledge was inside PricewaterhouseCoopers about what was happening and how did that come to light in this in this Senate investigation? Yeah, I mean, it's been suggested that the actual thing about the selling of this information to corporate clients was a relatively small group, maybe half a dozen or so. The inquiry found internal emails uh, discussing what was going on, and it's been suggested that up to 40 of the partners at uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers knew about it, and that included uh, the, the CEO. And that's really, I mean, and the treasurer, um, Jim Chalmers, has been involved in this uh, from the beginning and, and has been very outspoken in calling out what an appalling behaviour this is and what appalling breach of trust it is. Yeah, you could sum that up essentially by saying it's done reputational damage and they're trying to fix that, right? Yeah. And it's reputational damage for PricewaterhouseCoopers globally, not just in Australia. Right. And potentially damage to the whole consulting industry, not just to one firm. It it really has the potential to be uh, a game changer. And in many ways, I hope it is. Well, game changer is an interesting um, phrase you've used there. I mean, is this a, a bit of a game? You know, you said at the start of this interview that the amount paid to these consulting firms by the government's nearly tripled in 10 years. What is the game here and, and does it need a complete shake-up? Well, I mean, the, the, the game in a sense is the growing um, reliance of government on advice from private firms. And I think there's a bigger question then that this scandal opens up is, is that um, uh, appropriate? Is it appropriate for the government to do that? And it's it's complicated because there's also what they call the revolving door, where people will work for the public service, will work for treasury, will work as bureaucrats, will work in government, mm. and then will go and work for consultants and come back again. And it's all a very cosy arrangement where conflicts of interest are embedded and create problems. What we see now is a symptom, I think, of the bigger problem. It's not just a, it's not the problem itself. I mean, is there a strong argument that treasury should have? worked out their policies for themselves rather than farming out that work to big four accounting firms to tell them what to do with their tax strategy. I think there is a very strong argument for that and and, and a very strong argument for the need to 
kind of rebuild uh, the public service to be able to do that and 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 the need to to value what public service is about because it is after all a public service and that public service is in service of you me and every other member of the Australian public in the democracy we live in to hand that over to people who work for private interests and if you mm. look at PwC who who technically benefited from this uh, activity with the tax? Well, on the one hand, it was their corporate clients, but it was the partners, the owners. So the private interests of those corporations and of the partners of the firm were placed ahead of the interest of Australian citizens. That is a significant bigger problem than the $2.5 million that they made out of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I started out at the start of this episode explaining to our listeners you know, why we should care about this scandal. And, and that's the exact reason that the people winning out of this are the consulting firms who are earning the fees from our taxes. And then in this particular example, the corporations who are able to use that advice to minimise their tax here in Australia. And so the losers of this double whammy are us, right? The workers, the taxpayers. Absolutely. It's an absolute affront to each and every one of us as citizens of Australia. It's an affront to the whole democratic system of government. And it, so it's not just a single case. I mean, this really is suggesting a, a, not, a, not a crisis of one firm, but a crisis of democracy when private financial interests take precedence over public political interests. The tail's wagging the dog. And I think... Uh, the dog needs to get back in charge and, and hopefully the government has the nerve and the political will to start that process. That was Carl Rhodes from UTS and I think this scandal has really helped put the spotlight on the relationship between government departments and these big accounting firms who are getting more and more of our money and hopefully it leads to a rethink on whether that money is being well spent or whether this is work that the government should be doing itself and not outsourcing to these firms. I mean, apart from saving money on the fees they pay to these consulting firms, it might also help with some of these conflicts of interest because the government departments have one interest and that's running the country properly for us and spending our money and our taxes wisely. Listener.